Because I'll tell you right now, whatever you do for God, the devil wants you to quit. Does that make sense? Sure. Anything you're doing to glorify God, the devil's not happy. He's going to find whatever way he can to get you to throw in the towel on anything that will bring glory to God. And I'd like to ask you if you would please open up your Bible to the book of Isaiah, that passage that uh, Brother Howard led us in reading just a few moments ago. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Now, while you're turning to Isaiah chapter 40, my message is entitled, The Struggle to Not Quit. The Struggle to Not Quit. Quitting is something that everyone has experienced, or at least we've been tempted to quit. It's human nature. Human nature comes built in with a few things, a few problems, and one of them is the tendency to quit. Now, I'd like to say that there are a few things that we ought to be quitting. There's a f- quitting can be actually be a good word sometimes. There was a famous evangelist, and after he would be finished preaching, he would hold what he called quitting meetings. And so one man would stand up and he'd say, well, I've been smoking for 20 years, but starting tomorrow, I'm going to quit. You see, that would be a quitting meeting. Another man would stand up and say he'd been drinking alcohol for 20 years, but starting tomorrow, he was going to quit. You get the idea? So there are sometimes some good things that maybe we ought to quit. But I'd like to suggest that most or all of us here today are involved with doing some good things that we shouldn't quit. Some good things that are productive and pleasing to God. And sometimes, truth is, the devil gets in there and he tries to make us quit those good things. Good things aren't always easy to do. Have you noticed that? Good, good things have their good days and their not so good days. But do we quit? That's the question. Boy, I tell you, sometimes we are so tempted to quit. Did I ever tell you that when I started in the ministry after Bible college in 1981, every Monday I wanted to quit the ministry. And that was for about the first year. After that, it was every month I felt like quitting the ministry. And that was for another year or two. And then it was every six months I wanted to quit the ministry. Well, every now and again, I still feel it. I mean, I'm human. And I'm subject to the same temptations that you are. And any good thing that you're involved with, the old devil is going to come at some point and tempt you to quit and give up. And we struggle, don't we? We struggle sometimes not to quit Our marriages, yeah, if you ask uh, 10 married people that have been married for 10 or more years, have you ever entertained the thought of quitting your marriage? I'll bet you most of them, if they were honest, say, yeah, it's crossed my mind. But they may also hasten to say, I'm glad I didn't. (laughs) Sometimes we're tempted to quit church. We had someone show up this morning before, even before 10 o'clock Bible study. 
They told me that they'd been away from God. They're wanting to reconnect with God. I said, well, you're in the right place. We have a 10 o'clock Bible study. After that, we have the 11 o'clock service. Start there. Let the service minister to you. And so they stayed. Before 11 o'clock came, they walked out the door. They said to one of their ushers, there's nothing here for me to connect to. And they took off. They quit. They quit. Sometimes it's our jobs. I've had it with this lousy employer, this lousy workplace, blah, blah. I'm out of here. Sometimes we use other language. Life is often difficult. But life as a follower of Jesus Christ was never ever meant to be a casual attempt at doing as little as possible just to get by. That has never been God's calling on your life as a Christian. Never. If you're here today and you're thinking, well, that's news. Stick around. We've got a few things to share with you today. So what do we do when we feel like quitting? That's what we're going to learn about. Let's start with prayer. Heavenly Father, all of us are glad Jesus didn't quit on us. All of us are glad that he didn't say, oh, I'm finished, I'm done with it, and just come down off the cross. His greatest work, the greatest work anyone has done, redemption. Father, you know how frail and weak and human we are and how the devil seems to whisper things into our ear that we wish he wouldn't. We're weak enough as is. Pray that you'd please strengthen us and help us to learn a few things today that'll help us in the battle of life. Father, speak with our hearts. Glorify yourself in Jesus' name. We pray, amen. Now, I think that most of us are familiar with the name Thomas Edison. What do you think of when you hear the name Thomas Edison? What? Yeah, usually the light bulb, but he's got like a thousand inventions or something credited to his name. I think the movie projector was one of them. The record player, phonograph, that was another one. He had all kinds of inventions. He was a very creative man. And his whole nature was that he just wouldn't quit. And he said, our greatest weakness lies in giving up. He says, that's our greatest weakness. He said, the most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. He went on to say, many of life's failures are done by people who did not realize how close they were to success before they gave up. I believe, from what I've read, that Edison experimented with a thousand different filaments before he found the right one for the light bulb. And if you had asked him when he had just finished 999 different filaments, Edison, aren't you done with this? Aren't you ready to quit? Don't you have better things to do with your time? You're never going to get that light bulb to work. Edison would have replied something like, hey, he said, I'm already successful. 
I, I have successfully found 999 ways that won't work. And from what I've read, it was the thousandth attempt. How many things have you attempted that took you a thousand tries before you got it? A little bit of inspiration there, I suppose. Giving up is a very human tendency. When things don't go the way we think they ought to go within the time frame we think they ought to be, our tendency is to give up. Now, as I mentioned, giving up isn't always bad. There are some things I do believe we ought to give up. Things that are morally wrong. Things that God would disapprove of. Things that are corrupting. We ought to give up. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, God tells us very clearly, Come out from among them. Don't touch the unclean thing. I will receive you. Things that are harmful to the body. If you're eating or inhaling or ingesting some substances that are harmful to your body, you ought to be separate from that kind of thing. Of course, another thing you ought to quit is anything that causes another Christian to stumble. And in itself, it may be all right, but it may cause some other Christian to stumble. Now, back in Paul's day, the church of Corinth was a mixed up church. Uh, a number of the people in that church were involved in eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. Apparently, idol worship was huge in the city of Corinth. And animals were being sacrificed and put on the altar and offered to these different pagan deities. And then the meat would be sold at discount prices. And some of the Christians at the church at Corinth thought, hey, look at how cheap the meat is. We can save all kinds of money. And then people would ask, where did it come from? Where'd you get it? Well, down in the market, they were sacrificing it, you know, to the pagan god Apollos or something like that. And I bought it real dirt cheap, pennies on the dollar. Doing that caused a number of Christians to stumble in their faith. They were having a hard time with that. And so Paul wrote to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and he said, if meat maketh my brother to, uh, to stumble or to offend, I, I won't do it. And so there are sometimes things that we want to quit, voluntarily give up, so that we don't make our, our brother to stumble. But I, I want you to know that any good project, any good endeavor that you put your hand to, put your life to, anything good or a good habit, carries with it, it comes included, the tendency to give up. Any good thing, anything, you name it, there's going to be, at some point, the, the thought about giving up and quitting. Very true. And I think the more meaningful the project, I think the greater the tendency to give up. I like to suggest to you that serving the Lord full-time with your life as a pastor or a missionary or an evangelist is one of the best things you could possibly do with your life here on earth. And yet, it carries with it incredible pressure to quit and to give up. I got 42 years experience on that one. I can tell you it's true. To climb out of bed in the morning is a good thing. Would you agree? And I, I think very few people fail at climbing out of bed. I'm sure there's got to be someone out there who's still in bed what are you in bed for? Oh, I tried. 
Oh, it was a struggle. But for 17 days now, there may be there's someone. But I think that most people, when they try to climb out of bed, they succeed. Climbing out of bed is a good thing. Climbing Mount Everest, that's a phenomenal thing. And very, very few people ever succeed at that one. Most people quit. They get partway up or they don't even get to the mountain. Do you realize that there's a whole rigmarole you got to go through before you can even set foot on Mount Everest? It's not just, you know, one day, oh, I'm going to climb Mount Everest today. It doesn't work that way. There's a mountain of stuff you've already got to climb over before you even get to the mountain. Most people quit. You see the difference? Climbing out of bed or climbing Mount Everest? The greater good you do with your life, the more tendency there's going to be to quit. And most people, I think, are going to give in to that tendency. Now, I want to suggest also that it's never at the beginning of a good project that you want to quit. Never. It's always partway through. And sometimes, in my opinion, it's the halfway point that can be the most dangerous. You might say, well, I'm going to take this college course. It's going to be two years, and then I'm going to have this diploma in my hand. Well, good for you. And after the first year, you've come halfway through, and you're just bedraggled. You are worn out. Your eyeballs are crossing with all of the books you've had to read and projects you've had to do. And you're at the halfway point, And that is a dangerous place to be because you want to quit. You want to put up a fence around your property. And so you get a shovel and you start digging your first hole, you know, to pour some concrete and get your first post in there. Well, by the time you've got about half the fence done, you're aching, you're tired, your hands are blistered and bleeding. You know, the sun's been beating down on you and you've got a, a sunburn. And you're looking at everyone else and they're off going fishing. They're off playing golf. Oh, they're going to have a barbecue. And look at me. Digging another hole in the dirt. I quit. The halfway point can be a very, very dangerous Listen, I'll give, you, I'll give you seven reasons why people quit. Seven reasons. You don't have to write anything down, but number one is time. It takes more time than I thought it was going to take. Wow, it takes a lot of time. Number two, money. It costs more money than I thought it was going to cost. I quit. Number three, energy. It's requiring more energy than they thought they'd have to give it. Number four, maybe it's beginning to take a toll on their health. They're starting to feel that they're breaking out in hives or they're, they're getting sick because of it. Number five, other people around them are quitting. Others involved with the same thing, they're quitting. Throwing their shovel down, they're gone. Boy, there's a big motivator right there to quit number six maybe you're now starting to get hassled big hassles people are giving you trouble maybe people in your own family are calling you out on this what are you doing you've been at it for six months six years it's never gonna why don't you open hey smell a coffee fella it's not gonna 
and you're getting hassles. Number seven, maybe even your reputation is beginning to suffer. Can you imagine Noah building an ark, a big boat, in the middle of the desert? It had never rained ever in earth's history. And he was telling people that God said it's going to rain. And they're looking at him. And he's got, you know, the frame of the, the boat built. And they're looking at this. And they're looking at him. And he's been at it for 50 years. And they're calling him Crazy Noah. The only guy in the world that would build his boat so far inland away from the water. What's wrong with the guy? Imagine his reputation. Crazy Noah. Aren't you glad he didn't quit? You know, our previous building across the street here, it was an empty shell when we moved into it many years ago. And we had done a calculation. We figured it'll take about $25,000 and about one year of our time. Well, what ended up happening is it ended up taking two years and $35,000 to fix the place up and make it look like home. Projects are usually always like that. You bring in a contractor, say, well, I'd like you to do something here in my home. You know, give me an estimate. He gives you an estimate of so many dollars. Parkway through, he's going to come. He's going to say, well, you know, we've run into some rocks and we've run into some of this and some of that and we're just going to have to... Uh, Increase the price, it's going to cost more. Hmm. I'd like to suggest that the determining factor in your life is this. Are you doing what God wants you to do? That's the first question you have to ask. Am I doing what God wants me to do? You say, well, how do I know if it's something God wants me to do? Well, look at it this way. Is it something the devil wants you to be doing? Is it something immoral, illegal? Is it something corrupting? Is it something that's going to pull people down? Is it something going to make people stumble? Is it something that's going to keep people away from the Savior? Is it any, oh no, you say, I'd never be involved with anything like that. The things I do, as far as I know, they're always good and productive. They're a blessing to people. All right, it may very well be exactly what God wants you to do. But you have to kind of determine that. Say, so how do I determine that? Well, prayer is probably your number one. Your go-to is prayer. You ought to be reading a lot of Bible. You say, well, what's the Bible going to do? I mean, I, I want to know if I should marry this girl or this girl. You know, there's no Bible verse that, sa that says, marry Betty. What do I do? You keep reading the Bible. Because as you read the Bible, God is pleased and he'll start to work out the answer for you. You read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. Don't start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, unless you're a good seasoned Bible reader. Go to Psalms, go to Proverbs. You could even, I suppose, go to some of the New Testament epistles, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, uh, Colossians. You might even go there. But if you're looking to get direction and help from God, this is what I suggest is you go to, go to the Bible and you pray. You pray, you pray, you pray. You don't pray casually. You make it an earnest matter of prayer. You pray like your life depended on it. You pray like a struggle that it really is. You pray and you read the Bible. See, that's what we need to do before 
we make the decision to marry Betty or before we make the decision to work for the ABC company. We need to do that before. Also, you might want to talk to some godly people who know you and love you and get their opinion. They may have an opinion that will really help. And so these are ways in which you can know the will of God. But you need to determine this. The thing that I feel like quitting is it what God wants me to do. Because I'll tell you right now, whatever you do for God, the devil wants you to quit. Does that make sense? Sure. Anything you're doing to glorify God, the devil's not happy. He's going to find whatever way he can to get you to throw in the towel on anything that will bring glory to God. Back in the book of Genesis, there was a, a lady by the name of Hagar, and she was the slave servant girl of Abraham and of Sarah. Um, maybe you know the story. Abraham you know, had a child by Hagar. And so the boy grew and he's maybe, I don't know, 15 years, 14 years of age, something like that. And things were not going well because Isaac had now been born and there was a lot of strife and turmoil in the home. And so Hagar was asked to leave and take your boy with you. And she was so discouraged. She, she was so upset. She was given a thing of water and she wandered out here and there in the wilderness, in the desert, in the hot sun. And she didn't know where to go and what to do. Finally, the water was all spent. No more water left. And her boy was beside himself. He was delirious. And so she slumped him down there, you know, and went a good ways off. She didn't want to see him die. She wanted not only to quit, she wanted to die. She was feeling that down. Some people just want to quit. Others go the next step. I not only want to quit, I want to get off this planet. I want to die. That's how much I want to quit. And that's when God found her and encouraged her and basically told her, yeah, you're doing what I want you to do. And here's a pool of water and kind of opened her eyes and she saw it and got some water and helped her son. And uh, the rest is history. Elijah was a great man of God. No question about it. He did incredible things for God, didn't he? And he had that victory on Mount Carmel. 400 prophets of Baal were, you know, put to the sword. Great victory for God. Then he outran Ahab's chariot to get back to the city before it rained. He's exhausted. And Queen Jezebel writes him an, a letter. I was going to say an email, but uh, slightly before. So she wrote him a letter saying, you dirty dog. This is my interpretation of the letter. You no good, dirty rat. I'm going to kill you a million times. Now, she didn't say those words, but that's the effect of it. And Elijah got this letter, and he got so discouraged. Look what I've done. All what I've done, and this is what I get for it. And he took off. He ran. That's the thing, you know. People think with their feet. They think with their feet. Elijah thought with his feet. He took off. And he was so tired. The minister, the, the angel of God had to minister to him a couple of times with food and sleep. And he finally got to this cave. And he comes out of the cave. You know, there's all of this thunder and lightning and God wasn't there. Remember all that? You know, and he was complaining to God. You know, they've killed everyone. I'm the last one alive that loves you. And they want to kill me too. That's just how we felt. But yet, he was still in the will of God. The prophet Jonah, who got swallowed by the whale, spit up on dry land. 
All right, so he went and he preached to Nineveh. Well, talk about revival. That whole city got revival and came to know the Lord. But Jonah was kind of unhappy about that because he didn't like these people because of all of the miserable things they had done to his people years for many years. He wanted to see them all barbecued. So he was upset. And he sat down. Remember, God made this little tree to grow over him, give him shade. And then God killed the, the tree. And the sun beat on him. And he says, I want to die. Well, he was still doing God's will. But you see how the devil gets in there and tries to make us feel, oh, no one loves you. No one appreciates you. No one remembers you. No. And everything you've done amounts to what? Huh? What? Huh? You're better off somewhere else. You're better off killing yourself. Now, this is not a sermon on suicide, by the way. But all of these people, they were doing what God wanted them to, and the devil was right there to get them to quit. You may have been tempted to quit. You may have said at some point, you know, if only I had more money, then I'd solve my problems. Or maybe for you, money wasn't the issue. Maybe for you, it was physical strength and health. Oh, if only I, I was healthier. If only I had more muscles or more physical stamina, then I could overcome. Or maybe for you, you need wisdom. And you're saying, boy, if only I was smarter. Everyone's smarter than me. I can't seem to keep up with anything and I always, I always lose. I, I make decisions that are two weeks old. They don't do any good. If only I was smarter. And really what you're asking for when you step back and look at it is you're asking to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's what you're asking for. And you're thinking, if I had these things, then I could succeed. Well, I want you to know something. Samson, he had all of the physical strength that anyone could possibly have, and he failed God miserably. Solomon, he had all of the wisdom that anyone could have, and he had all of the money that anyone could ever want. And he ended up failing God miserably. So just because you're healthy, wealthy, and wise, you can still fail miserably. So what's the answer? How is it that we not quit? Isaiah chapter 40. Your secret resource. Look at it with me. Verse 28. Hast thou not known? Boy, that's a nice way to put it, isn't it? Don't you know this? Haven't you figured this out? You see verse 29. He giveth power to the faint. Verse 31, read it out loud together with me now, please. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Oh, you ought to have that verse underlined in your Bible. You ought to take that verse and put it uh, in your eyes and in your ears and get it down into your heart. That's your secret resource that God has for his children. You know, someone with lots of wisdom turned that into a bit of a song to help remember it. You know what? They that wait upon the Lord, sing it if you know it, shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. It's a great way to memorize scripture when they put it to music like that. But this is your secret resource. This is it right here. Verse 31 is the key. Waiting on the Lord. Well, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting around for him. And where is he? Well, that's not quite the idea of waiting on the Lord. You go into a restaurant and there's a man or woman comes toward you. What do we call them? Waiter. And they're going to come and stand at your table. Maybe give you a menu. Come back in a minute and say, have you made your decision? What can I get you? They are there to wait upon you. And they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. God is not telling you to be a bump on a log. He's not telling you to be a wart on a frog and just sit there. He's not telling you to do nothing until he comes to the rescue. He's telling you to be active, serving him. That's what this means here. Like a waiter, you keep on serving God. So, you wait on the Lord. You have a servant's attitude toward God. Now, some of the waiting does require patience until he brings the answer through. You see, God will bring into your life or allow into your life some little storm cloud. Something maybe that is bothersome. Something you don't like. And your tendency is to punch the daylights out of that thing. Or your tendency is to break down in tears and weep and cry and want to quit. But God's plan is to abide. Abide. Until he moves you out or he moves the cloud away. The devil knows God's plan. So while we're under here, the devil says, now's a good time to quit, isn't it? Yeah. Look around at others. Do they have that hanging over their head? No. See, God isn't aware. He doesn't love you like he loves others. He's not strong enough for you as he is strong enough for others. You'll never be what God wants you to be. That's why this is what you have to look forward to for the rest of your life. God's plan is to move the cloud or move you. Well, well, when is it going to happen? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Because according to this passage, even the young, healthy, handsome, strong guys are going to fail and faint. But they that wait upon the Lord. It doesn't take brains. It doesn't take wealth. It doesn't even take a lot of health, healthy, wealthy, wise. No, what it takes is faith. Faith. While you're under there, by the way, you will learn some amazing things that you won't learn anywhere else. The best teachers in life have been those that have been hard on you. You don't learn anything really from your successes. You'll learn a lot from your failures and you'll learn a lot from that black cloud hanging over your head. 
if you can wait upon the Lord. This is our key, folks. God has given it to us. And so don't be in a big hurry for God to part the clouds and, and send some kind of you know, host of chariots with flaming swords to your rescue. Now, he may do that down the road. So, think about it. What good thing are you involved with that the devil wants you to quit? I could tell you a few things I'm involved with that the devil is not happy about. And he wants me to quit. He wants me to stop giving my money to missions. He wants me to quit tithing. He wants me to stop any kind of soul winning and looking to talk to people about eternity. He wants me to quit the preaching business. He wants me to get out of the ministry. Wants me to quit my marriage. If the devil had his way, like he had with Judas, the devil would hand me a piece of rope and say, yeah, see what you can do with this. Go hang yourself. If the devil had his way. What good thing are you involved with that you're struggling with? And maybe it's something simple like some of those things I've mentioned, trying to have regular daily devotions, Bible reading and prayer. And maybe for some crazy reason, that is a big struggle for you. The devil's against you, you know. You can be sure that it's God's will for you to do that. How about faithful, regular church attendance? Why is it for some people it's so easy and for some people it's so hard? Because there's a real devil. He doesn't want you coming to church. Oh, the list goes on, but you get the idea. What good thing are you involved with? And maybe it has something to do with your family. Families are good. God is pro-family, not the devil. He's against the family. What good thing are you involved with that you're struggling with? You feel like quitting. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to wait upon the Lord. That's the only way we're going to get out of this mess. That's the only way we're going to see victory. Even Alvin uh, Thomas Edison. Thomas Alvin Edison. Even Edison. Even he said, what makes the difference is to try one more time. That's what brings the success. I don't think Mr. Edison was a saved man. I don't think he was. I hope he was, but I don't think he was from what I could see in his life. But he, he was kind of smart in many ways. I, I got to give that to him. You and I have a secret resource. And if we will make use of it, in Isaiah 40, 31, waiting upon God. So do your best. Get in there with God every morning. Read your Bible. Pray. Do your best. Attend church faithfully, regularly. I've seen Christians that have been on again, off again, on again, off again in basic things like church attendance and Bible reading. And how about simple ministry service for God? Something. I've seen them on again, off again, on again, off again. And you know what? Usually they have a problem in knowing God's will. They often will have a problem in, I guess, feeling close with the Lord. They never seem to feel as close as they want to. God promises us in Hebrews chapter 13, 5, He says He will never Leave us nor forsake us. Never. Again in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he promises us, he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me. I am meek. You know that? Matthew eleven twenty eight. 
wonderful promise of God. He tells us in Jeremiah 29.11 that God, He has great thoughts of peace toward us. Those are, are good Bible verses. And so, I suggest to you this. Be God's servant day by day. Learn to be a waiter for God. Wait upon the Lord. And the struggles will actually take care of themselves. If you will make your priority to be a waiter, God sitting at your table, and you're going to wait upon Him, you make that your daily life pattern, habit, you will find the struggles will take care of themselves. They will cease to bother you like they used to bother you. An old Christian man once wrote these words. When things go wrong as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high, and you want to smile but have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is strange with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns, and many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of the clouds of doubt, and you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems afar. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. And I want to suggest to you today that you pray and ask the Lord to be your strength and trust in His promise. In Isaiah 40, verse 31, ask the Lord if He would like you to be His waiter, if you could have the privilege of being His waiter every day to do those things that please Him, to do His perfect will. And He'll teach you to not quit. And He'll teach you to keep doing right. You see, is something you have to remember. God never, ever intended us to go through life on our own strength, on our own wisdom, on our own money. He always planned it to be a cooperative together, us and God, so that it becomes God's wisdom in and through us. God's strength in and through us. And God's finances in and through us so that God gets the glory. Let's pray. Close your eyes and pray. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.